Kia ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. We've been on this sermon series. It's a two-week sermon series and I'm here uh, taking this last part and the sermon series is called um, Beyond, right? Leah did an amazing job last week explaining, you know, uh, the life of, I think it was uh, Jacob and Esau and, and, you know, the two twin brothers. And if you didn't know, he's a, he's a twin. Um, he always says he's the better looking one. Um, I, I'm not too sure. We'd have to ask his wife, maybe. But, you know, and he, he did an amazing job of just what the generation, you know, uh, our call and what the generation is for that that's before us and in front of us. And so the purpose of the series is the hope for all of us here today, and he, he mentioned this last week, is to have faith in the next generation. You know, I'm sitting in the front here worshiping, and there's a whole bunch of gen- next generation here. And if have a peek over when you one time, okay, during worship. And during worship, you know, from the stage, you are all like this. They're all talking <laughs> during worship. And you can hear these little murmurs and jokes. And there's probably one or two that are really worshipping, but the others are joking around. Okay, one of them is my son. I know I have to deal with that somehow. Probably need to smack him around the head a bit more. I'm not sure. But, you know, it's just funny. That's who we're working for. That's who we are investing in. It's this next generation that don't listen. <laughs> and, and so the purpose is there is to have faith in them in this next generation. And if you've been around every, ma- uh, every nation long enough, this church, every nation ministries, you will find that we have always been about the next generation. And as I think of our, our church mission statement, this is what it says. It says that we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And this is so much, there is so much in this mission statement behind me that tells a lot about uh, what our church does. And within this mission statement, I want to bring your attention to one area, okay, um, of focus for today. And those words are this, that we exist to establish campus ministries. Alongside everything else that is amazing about what every nation does, you know, me and my wife, me and Weens, we, we were drawn to this spiritual family because the heart of this church, you know, back then and still is today, is about reaching the next generation. You know, in my youth, don't laugh. You know, I wasn't the, look, okay, I wasn't the best Christian at high school, okay? And over time, my, my life um, started getting into a pretty dark place, and, uh, and, and I was lonely while I was at university, even though I had a lot of friends around me and things, I was lonely. Now, the thing, this photo here behind me is when I was 13, I think, and, you know, I've, I've shared this many times before, but back then, I was one of the fakest Christians around, um, and no one really knew I was fake, because I was just good at hiding my, my real life from everyone. In my real life, it wasn't being a follower of Jesus at all. 
that everyone, everyone thought I was doing. Man, I praise God. He set people around my life who loved Jesus and who reached out to me throughout all of those years as a young youth and then throughout university. I'm grateful I was mentored and, and discipled under great leaders as a teenager. You know, in my youth group from my Samoan or Samoan family, you know, church that I grew up in. You know, all the way to my university life as a single guy before I got married coming into this church. And as I mentioned before, man, I was not the best follower of Jesus during those years. And I share these things about my past as a youth to say this. I was blessed to have had real Christians in my life. Real Christians in my life back then, that, that's almost like, oh God, 25 years ago. 25 years ago, who would, and this is what they'd tell me at that age, at the age of 18, they'd say, man, Ta'ulu, it's not about you, it's about the next generation. And here you had this 18-year-old, at that time I remember, I was just going, I am the next generation, why do I care? <laughs> I don't care, why are you telling me this? And this is why my wife and I, we're, we're just so passionate in reaching the next generation at even our age today. Every nation south side, let me tell you this, we will never stop reaching the next generation even when you and I are no longer on this earth. And how do I know this? Well, I'm going to unpack a Bible verse for you to, to tell you why I believe without a doubt that every nation south side and even every nation ministries all around the world will always reach the next generation. And there's this one verse I want to uh, bring your attention to. And it says this, by faith, Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, meaning that he was about to die, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And then he gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Now, when you read this verse for what it is, right, we don't have a full story because we've only been given, it's almost like a bullet point. It's a bullet point about Joseph and why he was famous for having faith in the first place. And so, I need to give you a brief background about this verse, this guy Joseph. And in case you didn't know, this is not the Joseph that was the husband of Mary, the father of Jesus. You know, this is not the Christmas Joseph, okay? It's a different Joseph. I just want to clarify that. This particular Joseph, he was actually alive 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And Joseph, he had 12, uh, he had 11 brothers, sorry, including him, was 12. And he was, out of the 12, he was actually the second youngest of all his brothers. Isn't that a sad thing? The sad thing about this story, when Joseph was 17 years old, his brothers sold him into slavery pretty much because of two reasons. The first reason was because their father favored, which is Jacob, their father favored Joseph the most over the rest of the other brothers. So they already hated him for being a spoiled, well, they'd probably consider him as being a spoiled one. And the second thing was Joseph he had this dream one night, and he dreamt that one day he would rule over all his brothers. And so he gets up and he tells all his older brothers. He's the second youngest. 
If you were that young and you walked in and you told all your old brothers, bow down. <laughs> I tell you, you'd be, yeah, well, I know my brothers, if I tried to do that with them. But these are the two reasons why they became jealous of Joseph. And so they sell Joseph um, into slavery and head back home. You know, they were out in the field and they, you know, Joseph had come to just see what they were up to. And so they just, they were going to kill him. But then they decided, you know what, let's just sell him. Let's sell him um, as a slave because I think they just were a bit too afraid to kill him. And so they do that, and they head back home after looking after their father's sheep. And the brothers, the brothers lie to their father, telling, telling him that Joseph, Joseph, man, he got killed. He got killed out in the wilderness while we were out there. Now, you, don't forget, Joseph was his father's favorite son. So this is a sad moment for his dad. And as for his brothers, well, they now have to carry the guilt of lying to their dad for the rest of their lives. And from the time Joseph is sold, right? Remember, he's 17 years old as a slave. Joseph never sees his father, his father and brothers again pretty much until 20 years later. And the thing is, his brothers never probably expected to see Joseph again. But God had other plans. During that period of being sold as a slave, Joseph, he's, he's shifted out to Egypt, and he's left pretty much for dead. Yet God's hand was on Joseph as he went through trials, the affliction, the persecution. Uh, there was a time he was being falsely accused. You know, there, the hard times in life he suffered. And long story short, he goes through all of these things, all of these problems in his life. And finally, Joseph, eventually, he's promoted. He's promoted to be, you know, next to the Pharaoh, and he becomes the second highest leader in charge of the whole land and the nation. And while Joseph was second in charge of the whole nation, in his leadership position, he saves Egypt and all the surrounding nations from a famine. They were about to starve. And this is where his brothers and father and their family, because they, they don't live in Egypt, they all come to Egypt to avoid the famine. And lo and behold, who is there? Their brother Joseph. <laughs> Joseph is, is the man in charge who now can help his family. And so he reunites with his brothers and father, and it's here that his brothers remember Joseph's dream. Joseph's dream about telling them when he was 17 years old at that time, telling them that one day he would rule over them. And it happened. Now, many of us that have grown up in church, right? I sure have uh, in this example about this um, share, or, or maybe you've been a believer of Jesus for a while now, and you may you may be familiar with the story of Joseph that I just shared. And so we take the story, right, that I share, and, and usually we share it and how, just like Joseph, we too will face trials in life, but if you just persevere through it all, 
You know, God will make a way. God will, you know, you know God will make a way. And, and one day, just one day, reward you for your faith and obedience in Him. You will become successful in life if you just trust in God. <laughs> and we teach this to our kids. Or we have, we've either learned it in Sunday school that that is the story of Joseph. And we end our learning about Joseph right there. But this is not the end of Joseph's story. And to be honest, becoming successful in life like Joseph did because he persevered through his trials, I'm afraid to say that is not even the theme of this Bible story either. You see, many people don't know and, and it's because we're not always taught this part of Joseph's story, what actually happened next in his life. We've already established that Joseph has reunited with his father and brothers and all their families are now in Egypt, right? What he does next is, is amazing. He, he sets them up, his family, he sets them up comfortably uh, to live in, in some of the best lands of Egypt. And all of his brothers, they gain possession over some of the best land, and they settle their families and their family lines, and they increase, and they multiply. And so Joseph, he lives happily, and he eventually dies as a happy old man in Egypt. But before he dies, this is the verse that I want to bring your attention to. In Genesis, it says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die but God will surely come to your aid. He will take you out of this land to a land that he promised Abraham, he promised Isaac, and he promised our father Jacob. Verse 25, and it says, And Joseph made his brothers swear an oath, and he said, God will surely come to your aid. And then when he does, you must carry my bones out of this place. Meaning out of Egypt. And this is where our key verse fits into the understanding of the story we read in the beginning. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Hear me here. For the next 200 years, 12 tribes, the 12, him and his brothers, the 12 tribes, their families, live in Egypt. And as time goes by, this is after his passing, 200 years go by, a whole new generation is born and a new pharaoh, a new king of Egypt comes into power who knows nothing about Joseph, who knows nothing about the history of how Joseph saved Egypt from a famine. And this pharaoh, he begins to see how numerous, right, the Israelites have become in his own country. And he begins to worry, and he begins to fear a bit. And so, you know, because he's wondering, you know what, these, these Israelites, there's, there's heaps of them, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, he was afraid that if there was ever a war or a battle, the Israelites would probably overtake them. And so, so what does this Pharaoh do? Well, what else? He, he turns the Israelites into slaves. And this is where the story of Moses picks up. 
Moses comes to, to free the Israelites from being slaves in Egypt. You know, they cross the Red Sea, they receive the Ten Commandments, and they're in the wilderness. They're walking and wandering for the next 40 years in the wilderness until a whole new generation again comes along, picks up the mantle to carry on from Moses when Moses dies. And this new generation is led by a leader, and his name is Joshua. And Joshua and all of this new generation that follow him of Israelites, they take over the promised land finally. And finally, they now occupy and live in the land God promises them. But get this. It's Joshua and this whole next generation of Israelites that are with him have finally settled into the promised land. Let me read you this and what it says about Joshua. The people of Israel... Serve the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for them. But check this next verse out. And Joseph's bones, which Joshua and the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem, it's this place, in a plot of land that his father, Jacob bought from, his, from the sons of Hamoth. And right at the end it says, this became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. From the time Joseph is put into slavery at 17 years old and, and by his brothers, you know, all the way to this time that we're reading here behind me on this verse, Joshua, bringing Joseph's bones to the promised land. All of this was happening. That whole history that I just shared is all in the lifespan of 400 years. That is 14 generations that have passed through this history and the storyline of Joseph that I briefly shared. 14, that's 14 generations. Let me show you this photo. This is a representation, this is a, of, of four generations. There's my grandma sitting in the middle. There's, there's my mom, there's my sisters, uh, my nephews and nieces and, and my sons. Now, my grandma, she actually got to live her life to see five generations during her lifetime. I just, I couldn't find a photo to represent all of that together. But there's one thing I always remember my grandma for. She was a warrior of prayer. And I remember she always prayed that each of her kids and, and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids would follow the ways of God. And if I use my life, right, as an example, I'm one of the grandkids. My two sisters and they're their husbands, and they're also they're awesome husbands that, that, that are here in church with us today. And, and some of my nephews and nieces that are also here, along with my kids that are not here because they're, they're in youth or kids' church because they don't want to listen to their dad preach. They hear it at home all the time, that's why. It's called a headache for them. But before my grand passed away, uh, it'll be 
two years now, two years from next month in October. She was blessed to see many of her family come to know God. My gran, man, she, she's this old New Wayne lady who lived in New Zealand, right, for 30, almost, I think, 35 years. She spoke no English <laughs> the whole time living here. <laughs> she spoke fluent Samoan and, and fluent New Wayne, and at times would mix the two languages together when talking with us, and she'd use a lot of, yeah, she'd, when she'd growl, then you'd really hear the lang languages really mixed. But get this, even she, my gran, was about reaching the next generation. And who knows, maybe that's where I got my passion about reaching the next generation. From her prayers and the example in her life, I saw growing up. To you sitting in this place today, This is what I plead to you all. Please, never grow old in reaching the next generation. Never grow old. If you and I lose the passion to reach the next generation, we will lose them to the ways of this world some of the things that I talked about in the beginning. Some of them may walk into that kind of life, or some of them may agree with some of that. And over time, if we grow old in reaching the next generation, then we're going to lose the next generation to a lifestyle of ungodly living. The next generation are in our universities, are in the youth, in high schools, are in our kids' church, are in our creche. Some of the next generation are your very own children that are here in this church. Now, I know we all have goals for our own lives and our own families, but what about those who come after us? What are our goals for them? Yes, like I said, like, you know, when you, these bunch of kids, I could easily turn around and growl them, hey, can you just be quiet and worship? I'm trying to worship in the front here. The fact that they're sitting there, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> they could be sitting at home playing games, or they could be sitting at home because they don't have parents that don't come to church. Some of those kids don't have parents that come to this church, yet they sit in here. There's some of our campus students, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person that, got, that came through campus, right? And majority of us in my generation came through campus. I don't think, man, probably a handful of parents joined our church from our, from our group. And it's still the same today. Uh, I think of some of the, you know, those that have now finished university and, and are working now probably for their first you know, in their first or second year of, of, of work, coming straight out of uni. And I remember all these guys, people like Jim and David and, 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 and you know, uh, James and all these different guys that I met through university. And, and I've seen the journey that at an earlier stages, parent, their parents weren't part of this church. And some of them are still not. 
maybe one day. Heck, my mom's only come probably about less than 10 times to this church, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> What's up with that, man? She's a hard, she's a hard egg to crack. <laughs> We're always about the next generation. And I remember during the history of being part of every nation, of, of people have always said to me, man, you know, I think, I think, bro, you're, well, even before I was a pastor, brother, I think your church is too young. And I'm thinking, it's always been young. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always because it's about the next generation. It's about our campus ministry. It's about our youth. Now, I know, like I said, yes, our next generation, they still need to choose their own paths to follow. They still need to choose their own paths to follow God. But the greatest blessing we can ever leave behind for the next generation is our hope for them and God's promises that can only be fulfilled in Jesus. There's no amount of money that you may have in your bank, no amount of land that you may own or try to achieve to own, no types of family traditions or family reputation out there that you that you have that everyone knows about your family and how famous you are for certain things. As great as those things are, none of those things amount to the great worth of passing on faith, the faith of God's promises, which is secured only through Jesus. Jesus, uh, Joseph, Joseph had an amazing life. Eventually, when he went through all his turmoil, he had an amazing life. He, he ruled over the land as second in charge to the, the king of Egypt. What does that mean? That means he was filthy rich. He was blessed to be able to eventually re reconcile with his father and brothers, his brothers that put him into slavery. After 20 plus years of not seeing them, and now he had all that he wanted, his family back with him. He, he could have killed them as the man in charge. He could have walked off the hate for 20 years of his life. But he didn't. He was blessed with his family. But this, this is the thing. Joseph realized it didn't end at his wealth. It didn't end at him as the second man in charge of the whole nation. It didn't end with his big happy family living happily ever after. Why? Because it wasn't about him. It was all about the purposes of God. And even after he left this earth, he made sure that he, you know, he was buried back in the promised land that God had destined for his chosen people. Joseph was part of that. And, and even though he never saw the promised land in his life, he had the faith that it would come to pass and he'd go back there to finally rest. There's this verse in John chapter 12. I don't have it up here, but it says, Truly, truly, this is Jesus, I say to you, 
unless a grain of wheat, a seed, unless this seed falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If my life is a seed for God's purpose, then I need to think of the next generations after me and their success in finding Jesus for their lives beyond my lifetime. The great things you and you have in life, the resources that you own, do you use them to invest in the next generation or do you keep them for yourself? Do you prefer the next generation to look at all your achievements, right, that you have on, on the outside for them to, to see you and be wowed, to be wowed at? Or is your character and integrity? Now, character and integrity, it usually has no fame to that. Nobody really sees your character and your integrity. And that's why it's a lot harder to work on because it's not shown on the outside. But do you find character and integrity more important to live out in front of the next generation, in front of your kids, in front of your nephews, nieces, in front of the youth, in front of some, some of the youth that you may work with if you're working in that environment? See, God didn't design our families to be, you know, the ends in themselves so that we uh, could just simply enjoy one another. One of the main messages, right, of the whole book of Genesis, written by Moses, is that the godly family is to be God's channel for blessing those who are separated from God and alienated from one another. Yes, we must learn to pass on God's blessing within our family, you know, to our own children and grandchildren. I'm still trying to work on that with my kids. It's a whole new journey with me with my boys being teenagers now. Whole new ball game. I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> but, you know, so to our children and grandchildren, but, but also beyond the family to the next generation of lost people. It's our job to reach out to the lonely, to the alienated people, showing them how to find relationship in God alongside spiritual family and Christian brothers and sisters. The church is the model for the world, right, of what caring and loving relationships are like. The very things the next generation need from believers such as you and I. Are you willing to go beyond are you willing to go beyond yourself today and not only believing and praying for the next generation, but how, how can you become part of some of their lives today to not only encourage them to do well, but one day have you know, the opportunity to let them know about how Jesus can help them through all situations of life? Will you be willing to go beyond yourself and live God's purpose in life to reach the ne next generation for Him. And my hope and my prayer is, is that we all will do that. And so I plead, never grow old in reaching the next generation. When you grow old, 
you're out of the game. That's the future of God's kingdom, isn't it? And the ones that sit up here every Sunday and half the time they never sing during worship. But I'm blessed to be amongst them. Not because it tries to keep me young. It reminds me that it's about them. It's about these kids that are in cringe. It's about our youth. It's about your kids that are in school. It's about our universities. It's campus ministry. We establish to honor God through campus ministry. Let's pray.